Welcome to the Circular Innovation Podcast. Join us as we dive deep and explore the concept of circular innovation and how it's reshaping brands, technology, and operations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Richard Bliss, uh, co-host, excuse me. I'm joined by my other co-hosts. Jess Schistler, the co-founder and CEO of Maven Circular. And Nate Schistler, co-founder and chief maven of Maven Circular. Well, here we are again, uh, episode three, and we're spending time here talking about the circular economy. And let's just do a quick review. For those who maybe are just joining us for the first time, this idea, this circular economy, I saw something you posted recently, Jess, that talked about it being a trillion dollar business. And I think a lot of people might be surprised by that. But first of all, we have to tell them what it is. So let's, what is the circular economy? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's really embracing this idea that um, fashion and consumer goods and um, like manufacturing and consumption should not, the, the result of that activity should not be an item being thrown away. And so it's about finding innovative solutions to obviously keep things out of landfills, but also from a, from a profitability standpoint, you know, many brands who make quality products having the opportunity to sell that same item two or even three times. Um, so there's certainly an, an environmental uh, angle to it, but there's also a pretty strong economic uh, perspective as, as just uh, as her post, you know, mentioned, it's you know, estimated at a trillion dollar opportunity if, if brands would fully embrace uh, circular business models. Because what we saw in the New Yorker, the New Yorker did an article about this, right? Yeah. Um, just recently at the, as the time of the recording, and they talked about how most people don't realize that a lot in the past, a lot of those returns and uh, that you had went into a landfill. And yeah. Jess, I saw in your post, you referred to it as, uh, was it DIF? Yeah, destroyed in the field. Um, so, you know, it goes out, you purchase it as a consumer, and it goes into landfill. And so what Maven Circular has started to do is transform part of us emerging what do we call it? Recommerce? Uh, yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> somebody, are, somebody talk. Yeah, we're we're partnering um, and and working with different brands and also operations partners and technologists to build out this model of a brand owning their resale of a product. So think about you purchase a product from brand X, you use it. And you no longer need it. And um, you bring it back to the brand and they buy back from you. And that brand then has a program that resells it. So they authenticate it, they clean it, repair it, and resell it to the next consumer. Um, that's a buyback pro program model, but there's also models where it's an exit strategy for a brand. Um, but really, it's ultimately a brand is owning the second life and they're taking advantage from a, a like from a sales perspective of that second life. Yeah, the, the buzzword you're hearing, um, and you mentioned it, Richard, is, is re-commerce. And I think the easiest way to think about this is if you think about re-commerce as just another channel. So 20, 25 years ago, we just had retail. And then there was this new buzzword, you know, brick and mortar retail. And there was this new buzzword on the block called e-commerce, digital commerce. And so you had retail and e-commerce, and now you're seeing a, a third um, channel that has been named re-commerce, and, and that is meant to suggest that it's the resale of goods um, 
oftentimes used goods, but some, sometimes just new goods that are out of season or may have like a factory QA-ish or whatever, um, all kind of under that umbrella of re-commerce and thinking of that as, as a unique selling channel. So in a brand's, you know, sales planning activities, they would have retail planning, e-commerce planning, and re-commerce planning as a third selling channel. And, and, and really what, um, you know, the linchpin that has enabled this to start to become a reality is the development of new boutique software solutions, um, that allow brands to manage inventory in a bit of a unique way, which re-commerce often requires. And I think that, um, you know, since we're talking about technology today, like it's a bit of an intro into that topic, but, um, you know, we work with a lot of the platforms out there that are enabling, um, you know, sometimes what's known as single SKU logistics or enabling the tracking of inventory back from a, a guest or a consumer through a warehouse and then out to its new owner. And all that has to have a technology component to it for it to really be effective for the brand. Um, and uh, surprisingly, in the work that we do, we spend a lot of time working with technology companies to help them build out solutions in that space. So that brings up an interesting point, the technology. Uh, in the previous episodes, we kind of talked about the, the big picture. Let's dive down into some of the nitty gritty in the weeds technology, because I think th- there's a, a term you use and meaning in this space, being able to sp- speak to both the technology of making it happen and the operations of making that technology function requires two very different sets of, sets of skills, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, w- you know, in our professional careers prior to starting Maven Circular, we, we both were in various roles um, in operations, in supply chain, and often working with technology partners. And there's you know, this kind of, it, there's almost this like meme out there. In fact, there are memes out there about this topic of like, you know, technology that gets built in a silo and like the developers are really proud of the solution. And then they bring it to the operations team and say, Hey, I like, you know, we built this like cool new thing for you, for you to use and make your operations better. And, you know, fundamentally they just kind of like shrug their shoulders and like, well, we can't use this. And if you had included us, you know, at the early stage in the process, we could have helped you, um, you know, design it, design it in a way that actually works for the operation. And so, you know, one of the th- the things that, um, you know, kind of the competitive edge that we bring to the table is that we, Jess and I both are operators who speak technology. And so we kind of have always had one foot in, in each one of those realms and, and being able to, to get engaged with a technology developer early, early in the process in the design stage before you start building code or writing code and like, you know, building out how the solution is going to work. You know, there's a lot of insight to be gleaned from like really engaging with the folks. The phrase I like to use is like engage with the folks who are at the bottom of your supply chain and make sure that what you're building actually is going to work for them. Um, And you're, and you're thinking forward about the user experience. Right. So how is something going to move through a warehouse or how is something going to get to the, you know, the consumer in the most efficient and effective way, but also building the front end of it or sorry, yeah, the front end of it, the easiest um, way possible. So that's yeah. a bit of a flair that, you know, we bring and we really support a lot of the technology companies. Yeah, because what, what we're talking about here is that this isn't a singular entity, right? It's not like you're a company and you're doing it all. 
Maven Circular is kind of in the middle, helping each piece of this interact and integrate with the other pieces that are you got it are completely separate entities, right? We're not talking yeah. about one company having all of these things in place. Correct, and right. and even yeah. you know the, their pretty recent announcement by uh, Trove, who was really a pioneer in this space. You know, Trove was really like kind of the last remaining e-commerce platform provider that was also uh, operating with a managed warehouse, an owned warehouse service. They they owned their own warehouse as part of their solution. And they just announced that they have, you know, they're divesting themselves of that um, owned warehouse and using a 3PL model. So it it really comes, you know, your your point lands very well, which is for a brand that wants to launch a e-commerce channel, um, it's not a one-stop shop. There's not a single, you know, solution that can that can provide all of the integrated uh, processing for you. You're going to have to to work with a technology platform, and you're going to have to work with an operator at a minimum. So it's always going to be kind of like a three-party conversation, and sometimes it's a four-party conversation depending on the solution you go with. And so being able to like bridge those gaps and and you know sit in the room with those multiple parties and say, you know, what I think they you know what I think party A is trying to say is and kind of you know trying to break through those um those difficult discussions then and make sure that everyone is is kind of thinking about the end goal and understands uh, how how to build a solution that actually works for everybody and, and I'll give you a really succinct example here you know we were working with a company who had um had built a tool to be used in a warehouse setting and as part of the development of that tool they um they were using case sensitive meaning capital and lowercase sensitive inputs in their user interface. And, you know, we said to them like right away, like guys, think about how frustrating that's going to be for a user in the warehouse who already is like having an interface with a keyboard and maybe there's a high level of keyboard competence, but maybe there's not. And then having to remember that like, you know, the word with a capital letter versus a lowercase letter is now a different input into that system. Um, you know, some, some simple like choices that are made very early in the process can make things incredibly difficult for the end user if, if they're not considered. And, and particularly, and we'll, is, go, ahead, go ahead, Jess, sorry. Yeah, sorry. And something that, you know, a technology company that's developing this, they don't have the depth of how the operation typically works. So, you know, having a case-sensitive um, requirements is something that's not traditional in a warehouse. Yep. You know, most warehouse solutions are caps lock. So that conversation with the technology company that isn't familiar with building something for a warehouse, you know, we can bring that knowledge to the conversation. You know, they might be experts in a storefront and how a customer interfaces and purchases something, but the back end side of things when building a WMS system um, you know, that's that's a bit of the magic that we can bring. So WS system, what would be a WS system? What was that term? A, a warehouse management system. WMS. Warehouse WMS system. Because what we've got is is I'm I'm thinking through and just as this is something you're really good at, that detailed of that movement of that single item through it, right? The person yeah. sends it back, now it comes back, and then it goes to a warehouse that the company doesn't own using yeah. software that they don't own. The software company doesn't necessarily interface directly and then it gets to the warehouse now there's another site that's involved where consumers come in and make that purchase in the meantime Nate your operations is like how does all that stuff get sorted put in where it needs to go 
all of these are the different pieces, different companies, different entities, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's a, um, I guess one of the interesting ironies about this new channel of e-commerce is that while this is all very uh, cutting edge from a technology standpoint, you've got some really incredible companies out there building solutions in this space. The bottom of the supply chain for e-commerce is always going to be human beings touching, manipulating, sorting product one item at a time. And so when you contrast that to what a major retailer is doing in their warehousing operations as, you know, they're, if you're anywhere close to the supply chain space, you're seeing, you know, robotics and assistive technologies and, and all the things that like make working in a warehouse easier and easier and easier. Recommerce will never be able to take advantage of that because it's always one skew at a time, one item at a time. I, the operator, have to touch this thing, inspect it, evaluate it, and then do something with it. And so that lost art of like, how do you get a team of people enabled by a technology solution to operate a totally manual process as efficiently as possible? Like that's the challenge here. And all Efficient. that is happening. Yeah. Efficient yeah. and accurate, right? Efficient yes. and accurate because- Efficient and accurate, yep. And that's the combo. Nate is really good with efficiency and I'm really yeah. good with the accuracy. Yeah. Um, but, right. And, and, and normally, honestly, those sometimes aren't aligned, right? Totally. Sometimes totally it's, not aligned. It's often conflicting, right? So if you're trying to be very fast, it's faster to not be as accurate. Yep. Um, and, and if then, you want to be very accurate, you have to be slower. So there's, you know, there's the fine line of, you know, how fast and how accurate are you willing to go? Um, because you you can't be one or the other extreme. It reminds me of when my wife asked me to clean the house. I'm all about efficiency and she's all about accuracy. It's that balance, <laughs> it's, right? It's kind of that, um, what's that expression? Like, you know, a contractor would say, yeah, you can have a good, fast or cheap, but you have to pick two. You have to pick two. And so in this case, yeah. we're talking about the two because they're not necessarily aligned and they're at odds with each other. And that's where Maven Circular has stepped in, providing expertise. Is it expertise at each step of that way? I mean, because that sounds yeah. like what you're able to do and bring those things together. Yeah, I, I would say it's, um, you know, an expression we like to use is, is we want to be on the journey with our clients. We, we want to be um, engaged as early as possible and and support them through each phase of their either product development or program launch. Um, but also, you know, our support is multifaceted. So it's not just about being with them through each step of the process, but also not being siloed into one activity or another and, and really being able to like bridge the gap between what the brand needs, what the technology partner needs and what the operator needs so that everybody's happy, everybody can be successful. And, and let's just embrace the fact that like, sustainability initiatives have to be profitable or else they're not sustainable. I mean, there's there's a bit of an irony there too. And so we want to make sure that everyone's able to make enough money that the program is self-sustaining um, because otherwise it's just going to be an experiment that goes away quietly. And just, and just to you, add to that so jerky yeah. um, comment, you know, we're consulting is an interesting, you know, industry or business or, you know, role. And 
sometimes you want to go in and you you have an assignment, you do it and you come out and you're moving on to the next thing where our preference is we're tied in. And it might not be we're always billing a specific brand or technology company, but we're involved in the strategy and we're supporting in what that growth looks like for the business. So let's say today they want to go live in you know, the U.S., but in two years they want to expand to Canada and Europe. And, you know, there are some decisions that need to be made when they launch in the U.S. to enable them to be able to expand their um, their business in those different areas. So knowing what their long term goals are is really important and um, and driving some of those decisions and the conversations, because sometimes the decision isn't made yet. But, you know, ensuring when we're partnering with the brand or partnering with the technology company, understanding what some of the limitations are with some of those partners is is really key. And that's an interesting dynamic that we have the knowledge of. And, um, you know, there's pros and cons to every partner that, you know, that we can put on the table, um, but making sure that we're um, being vocal about it and, and sharing that information is uh, is really helpful in the long term planning. Yeah, your experience and your ability to come in and lay that groundwork and help them anticipate for the future is critical. This has been a great conversation we've had. Um, I'm looking forward to the next one because the next one we're going to dive uh, more into designing and building this idea, this concept that you've just... As we wrap up here uh, on this episode, uh, anything that we want to share about this idea about bringing this all together, this work, any uh, parting words that we want to talk about? I think I would uh, I would just share the phrase you know common sense is not so common. It's a bit yeah. of a, a bit of a uh, cliche I suppose, but the this is where when technology and operations develop in a silo, that's that's where this whole like meme idea of you know a technology built that doesn't that's not really fit for use by the operator. Um, you really have to understand the bottom of your supply chain or the bottom of the supply chain of the market you intend to serve uh, to make sure that you're building a solution that is truly fit for use and isn't just conforming to the requirements that you designed when you know when you decided to set out and build that tool. And so that's that's what we focus on is making sure that the voice at that bottom of the supply chain is, is relevant at the at the top of the supply chain. And I, I like that. Add, I would just add you don't know what you don't know. So if you're in a business and you, you're mandated to launch a program, it's so important to leverage your network on what the what the industry looks like. What are the tough parts? What are the um, you know, what are the must haves or what are the considerations? And that's something that, you know, we support our partners and network in and, and sharing on LinkedIn or, you know, having those one off calls to support in the conversation and educating more about um, how it all gets put together and and how it fits into their business. Excellent. You've been listening to uh, this episode of uh, Circular Innovation. We've been talking about the cobbling together, cobbling is not the right word, but bringing together the different pieces of the elements of when it comes to uh, setting up re-commerce and helping that happen. Our next episode is going to be talking about how to go about designing that. So be sure to join us. Thanks again for listening. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Circular Innovation Podcast. Join us again as we continue to explore and unravel the complexities of circular innovation.